everyone. Thanks so much for tuning into our podcast. We hope that you find encouragement today as you listen. By way of introduction, uh, imagine a company, okay, of over 500 employees, and, and, uh, and this, this, is their, this is the background. They didn't probably do a, a, a sufficient background check, but this is over 500 employees. Here's their record. 29 were accused of spousal abuse, seven arrested for fraud, 19 accused of writing bad checks, 117 directly or indirectly bankrupted, three had served time for assault, 71 had bad credit, 14 arrested on drug-related charges, eight arrested for shoplifting, 21 current defendants in lawsuits, and 84 arrested for uh, DWI in the past year. Now, uh, you'd say, what kind of business is that? What kind of organization? Who's hiring these people? Well, that uh, is a time, in time, not more recently, uh, but that, that, that's the uh, record of the United States Congress, the over 535 members of Congress. Let's do a collective gasp. <gasps> okay. Now we know things have gotten better and that wouldn't be true today, right? I don't know. We would have to check that out. I, who knows? Uh, but I, I say that because, you know, there are times when, uh, when, when we look really good and, and we, we seem to have a stellar reputation, but in all reality, it's, it's not true. What looks good or what we maybe is perceived as good, when you dig below the surface, sometimes we find something different. And uh, looks can be deceiving and so can a reputation. And I'm saying that, and I give you that crazy illustration to start with, because this morning as we continue our seven city tour, or as I've, I've coined it, the letters from Patmos this summer, uh, we are stopping at the town of Sardis, okay? And this town had some reputation issues. Now, uh, have, you, have you noticed how close these towns are connected? You know, Ephesus and Pergamum. Last week was Thyatira. And this, this week, Sardis. There's only 30 miles difference between uh, uh, Thyatira and Sardis. Okay, just a little further south now. Because this was Revelation. You need to understand this was a, a letter written, a very strange letter in a sense, because it's apocalyptic and it's a language that we maybe don't quite even know how to read today. It was very common in about two to three or 400 years uh, season of time, a couple hundred years before Christ and after Christ, very popular, but we're not the original receivers of this letter. And so some of the imagery is overwhelming and maybe we've lost a clear understanding and we've been trying for 1900 years to figure what Revelation says, but you need to understand it was a letter that was written to seven churches and they call it a circulatory letter or a circular letter. I was thinking about our blood system this morning from communion, a circular letter, because if you look at what we're seeing here in towns, Patmos is the place of origin, all right, where John is getting this revelation from Jesus, and then Ephesus, and then Smyrna, and you could draw clockwise this circle around there, and this letter, the whole of Revelation, this is the beginning, seven specific addresses to these seven churches, but the whole letter is, is written, and the whole of the body, all 22 chapters, would have been circulated uh, with some some uh, focus, strategic focus in these different locations. And this morning, again, I said, we stop off on this seven city tour at the, at the city of Sardis, okay? Now, it was a prosperous and a, and a powerful city. 500 years before John wrote this letter, uh, it was considered one of the richest cities in the world. There's a man named Croatius, 
a Cro, Cro, Croesus, I think is how you would say it. And he lived there and was considered, he was a king, and is considered one of the wealthiest men in the world. Uh, the Greeks called him Midas. You, you know, you go down and get your muffler fixed, the Midas touch. Well, the idea of uh, Greek mythology is Midas was this god who he could touch, anything he touched would, would turn to gold. Well, this king, literally, they found a way there's gold and silver in the surrounding hills or mountains there at Sardis. And they found a way four or 500 years before Jesus to separate where the gold and silver was connected. And it created pure silver and pure gold. And it, it actually was the, the beginning of the modern day monetary system, that city of Sardis, because they, they were able to get pure gold and pure silver from this, uh, this way that they discovered to separate the two when they were connected. Um, and so... You can understand the Midas touch. This guy is wealthy. Uh, it retained its wealth for the first couple of centuries of the church. So five, six, seven hundred years, maybe it was considered a, a wealthy place, and they had business, and and uh, and of course the, uh, the the valuable gold and such. But it was also peaceful. Sardis was virtually un, unassailable by its enemies. Uh, it wasn't uncommon in that day to to build cities on hills, and this was literally it was a spur about fifteen hundred feet above the valley floor was what Sardis was built on. You could only approach from the south side on a very steep and difficult pass. So um, that was almost better than a walled city. You just couldn't. I just had to get some troops down there to to fight the battle at that that long winding steep path, and you could retain your safety and peace. And, uh, and, and uh, so, uh, the, and, and what's interesting is the luxurious living in Sardis uh, led to moral breakdown. In fact, Herodotus, the ancient Greek historian who was writing uh, history of that part of the world in the, uh, in the fourth and fifth century, around the fifth century, he wrote despairingly of Sardis. And here's what he said. I, I put it here in the overhead. I thought this was kind of interesting. He said, the tender-footed Lydians, that's where Sardis was in Lydia, okay? He says, the tender-footed Lydians who can only play on the sitara and, and strike the guitar and sell by retail. So he's calling them kind of tender-footed, um, weak. And, and the second part here is interesting. The city of peace, not the peace won through battle because they didn't have a lot of battles. Every hundred years or so, they'd get taken over, but they, it, was a, it was a safe place. But the peace of the man whose dreams are dead and whose mind is asleep, the peace of lethargy. That's not good peace, is it? That's, uh, that's lazy peace, and that's what, that's what the historian Herodotus said uh, about, uh, about this city and this region. And the church at Sardis, and we're coming back to this, was suffering from an unreliable reputation. Look at what the Lord says through John the Revelator. He says this to the angel of the church in Sardis, right? These are the words of him who holds the seven spirits of God and the seven stars, I know your deeds, you have a reputation of being alive, but you are dead. So to the outside world, to those who may know of Sardis and the church there, the, the reputation, the deeds, they look like, whoa, pretty impressive, you know? Kind of like, like that person in school somewhere that they, they, the package was perfect, but when you got beneath the surface, you realize that their character didn't match their their ability to perform on the football field or, or cheerlead or their scholastic, you know, someone once said, and I'm not quite sure what this means, but, but beauty is skin deep, but ugliness goes right to the bone. And I think, you know, sometimes you can look the part, you can maybe have a reputation, but when you go beneath the surface, God looks at the heart and true beauty, true beauty is what's beneath the outside. 
It's what, it's what goes uh, beyond how well we can speak or how well we can dance or how well we can throw a football or how, how well we can sing or all the things popular culture sticks high on the altar, you know, a popularity, right, uh, is when you get below that. But what's their character? How well do they love those that have been placed in their lives? How honest? What's their integrity look like? The church at Sardis was suffering from a reputation problem. Once a discouraged pastor told his congregation, now this isn't me, okay, just FYI. He told them one Sunday morning the church was dead, and the next week he is going to have a funeral. And when the people arrived the next week, the curtains were drawn, you know, things were kind of darkened out, kind of a solemn music was playing, and there's a casket at the front of the, of the church. And the pastor preached a funeral message, and then he said, some of you may not agree with me, but this church is dead. They kind of, what are you talking about? And to convince him, he said, I'm going to have you come and view its remains. So they came up and they looked in the casket. And as they looked at the casket, there was a mirror. And, uh, and they looked upon themselves. Now, I would never do that because there's a lot of life in this place. Uh, there's not death. Uh, now, of course, we all have the potential of, of drifting into a, a sense of lethargy. But I am excited at what God is doing in your lives. And as we uh, shoulder up together, as we lock arms, and as we do things for Christ and his kingdom, it's beautiful. But uh, there are... And this would probably be the case of this church at Sardis. They, they, if they would have looked in the casket, they would have seen themselves and it wasn't life. They had, they, they'd fall into a, a, a lethargic uh, state and uh, Jesus said, you're dead. Um, the church is not a steeple, the church is a people. Do you understand? Some of you may say, well, that's cute. Didn't you, you know, here's the church, open the, there's the people. Remember that one? Here's the church, here's the steeple. Open the door, there's the people, right? There it is. There's the church. There's the steeple. Open the door. There's the people. Okay. Now, here's the deal. Forget the fact. Now, we call this church. This isn't church. In fact, that's a poor rendering of what, what Christ was saying. I will build my ecclesia. The church is not a building. And we, after Constantine in, in church history, they began to build these beautiful, beautiful temples and these beautiful places of worship. But up until the first 300 plus years of the church, they didn't have beautiful buildings. They they met in homes and very small structures, but they were growing exponentially. Um, the church is not a building. We're thankful for our building in this location, and we're thankful we get to wear it out and have to replace carpet and paint walls because this is just a building. But you are the value. You are the beauty. You are those created in Christ's image, those who have experienced his grace and his mercy and his salvation. And many of us, if not most of us, are being called and, and walking in this journey. You're the congregation is probably a better uh, rendering than what we call church. The building is where the congregation gathers, the called out ones. So it's not a building, it's not a steeple, it's a people. And the outward appearance for Sardis was impressive, but the Lord looks past that. We see that in the Old Testament where, where God's calling David and Saul is kind of, he looked the part, he's tall and rugged. Bigger than life, he could be a cage fighter, you know? And Saul was a, he was a, just a burly guy and handsome. And here's kind of wimpy David, you know? The least of the least, you know? He was placed out in the, the fields when his brothers were growing around his father and he was kind of just pushed aside and God called him. Why? Because he had a heart that followed after God. God always looks past kind of that, the external things that kind of give us a thumbs up and a lot of likes. 
you know, and he looks deep into our heart. And this is, this is a good takeaway for all of us today. Uh, the Lord looks at the true character. And they were dead and they were dying. Now, in all the other churches we're going to find, the other six churches were past halfway here, but you're going to find that the Lord always would start in his, in his prophetic letter to these different locations with a commendation, kind of a word of encouragement. There's nothing here. This church is without encouragement. He says, you're dead and you're dying. Uh, you have a reputation, but I see through it. And so uh, no positives, only negatives. And the negatives, uh, uh, they, you know, is, is, is that the, 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 they had deeds, but they didn't match what their reputation was. In fact, they were, they were rotting, all right? So faith in Jesus is about life. And, and what could cause, this is a question, what could be causing this death at Sardis? What could it be? Uh, you know, signs of a dying church. Someone once said, and I kind of messed up these words, but it's, it's prayerlessness. It's giveless. That's not a word. It's wordless. Big capital W, you know, understanding Christ and discovering Christ in this holy book of, of the Bible is, basically means a book of books, okay? So there's a lot of books in here, a lot of letters, and they point to Jesus and they give signposts to this answer for the world, God's son, Jesus Christ, who we worship here every week and throughout the week. And what's the cause? Is, is there's, there was a wordlessness possibly. Maybe there was a sharelessness. Again, not a word, but they weren't sharing all that Christ had given. A faithlessness. Uh, how about a service? Or I should say serve us versus service. That's a big one right there. Sometimes we're looking to receive. We become more consumers than locking in and using whatever part we are in the body. That's how Paul defines the, the church or the congregation is one body, many parts. You may be the big toe and think, well, I, that's not very sexy. But the fact is God needs your toe to complete this body or your pinky finger or your nose or your ear or whatever you are, your shoulder. And we all come together and we don't just receive, but we... Uh, uh, we, get to, we get to produce and we get to serve and we get to, to love, love those within and without uh, uh, as we're empowered by his Holy Spirit, okay? So that's what could be uh, the problem there at, at, at Sardis. But every church or congregation is only as healthy as, it, as its individual members. Again, that's Paul's picture of the body. If if you stub your little toe, you, you think the world's coming to an end. Have you ever done that? When I was a kid, I, I, I swear I was doing that every time I turned around. It's like the walls would sneak out on me when I was walking down the halls, the walls in the halls. And I'd, I'd, I'd hit that pinky toe and I'd fall down and I didn't know any cuss words or I might have really been in trouble, you know? I mean, I, I just, I was too young and I just would wallow in pain. And you've, you've had that happen um, to you. I've got a sore back and I don't know what it is these days and I've, uh, I think it's from driving, and, and I've been doing some miles, and, and, I, and I, I got a heating pad yesterday, and I just felt out of it because, and it's not like it's thrown out. Of, you know, some of you have had your back thrown out, and you can hardly walk. It's not that. It's just that aching, frustrating, you know, you kind of have to you know, really tighten up your stomach muscles, you know, in order to bend over and stuff like that, and I'm waiting to get through it, and my whole body feels kind of behind that, and that's what, that's the picture Paul gives us of the congregation, of the body of Christ, that we are one, and all of us represent an important part. That's why we show up together, because the Lord may have somebody on any given Sunday that sits next to us, that didn't sit here last week, that just needs the love that you can give them in the name of Jesus, and, and it could change their destiny, kind of like 
that one year, year and a half changed Dwayne's life, maybe just sitting next to somebody on a Sunday, you may have a word that you didn't even know was of the Lord and it is of the Lord because God is ordering our steps and we're part of this body and we show up and, and God uses us. That's just on Sunday. Of course, we know that it's, it's more than a, a day of the week that throughout the week God uses us as well. So um, uh, a church that, that, that is, is living is one that loves Jesus and loves like Jesus. And I talk about this a lot. And, and you know, pretty soon you're all going to know this scripture by heart in your favorite translation. John, uh, Jesus towards the, towards the cross as he's, he's, he's preparing for the cross and he's giving kind of these final instructions. He talks about a new command and Lord knows they had their 10 and hundreds besides that. But he's saying, I'm going to give you a new command. Some coined this the 11th commandment. Love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. We talk about loving one another. Now he's, he's up the ante. He says, love as I have loved you. Okay, so go home and do your word study for the next couple of months. How did Jesus love when he visited this planet? That's how we're supposed to love. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. And so I would say this, that the church at Sardis was not following after. And don't you know this command had been passed down through the church by this time? That this is, Jesus gave a new commandment. And maybe they were learning what the old commandments were uh, if they weren't Jewish. And those who were Jewish, they knew the, the, the commandments and all the laws that went with that. But this church had failed to reflect the love of Jesus and they were dying. And what does Christ's love look like? It, I would say it's, it's, it's the love one another's. You can just, you can just break it right down. This is, this is foundational right here. The one another's of scripture, okay? Prefer, you can find this in the New Testament. Prefer one another, accept one another, greet one another, encourage one another, comfort one another, carry one another's burdens, forgive one another, honor one another, confess your faults one to another, be devoted to one another, wait for one another, rejoice with one another, uh, show hospitality towards one another. And this isn't all of them. Just go home and do your word study. You can do that with your Bible apps now on the one another's in the New Testament because we're living under the new covenant. And go, and then just begin to, how can I practice Christ's love? Begin to practice these one another's to those within the body of Christ and outside of the body of Christ. And that's how the world's gonna know, and go back, that's how the world's gonna know and those, everyone else will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Because we practice here, and then it just spills out into our, into our streets, wherever we live, okay? So, all right. So here we go. How to avoid, I'm going to finish with this, how to avoid local church death. Here's five imperatives that we see from Scripture this morning for steering clear of the graveyard, okay? Here they are. First of all, wake up! All right. That's actually the beginning of a verse, and I just stopped right there. This is a present tense. It means, in the Greek, uh, this is an ongoing Activity, it's a continuous action. Why? Because we fall asleep in our Christian walk. Uh, wake up and be on the alert, ever watchful. This would be particularly relevant to a city who suffered some major defeats because they were failing to watch. They were set in a strategic place. You could hardly get to where they were at. All you had to do is set up the right battalions and you could last a long time because you couldn't get there from here, okay? So you had to be sleeping in order to be conquered, and they were conquered. So they probably would have related to this, those who lived, and they would have known from their own history. Um, uh, once awake, we need to keep watch over these things, okay? So that ongoing thing, it's not like, oh, I woke up, God kind of gave me a heads up, I woke up, but we, we live alert. We live in a life 
of, of alertedness. In verse three, we're in verse one here in this wake up, but it says, but if you do not wake up, I will come like a thief and you will not know at what time I will come to you. So there's that picture of maybe past conquerings and, and takeovers that, that they, they fell asleep and, and, and Jesus is giving that imagery to them. It's time for you to wake, wake up. Also, look at here. Uh, wake up, strengthen what remains and is about to, uh, to die. For I have not found your deeds complete in the sight of God. So that's that whole verse in chapter, in chapter, or chapter 3, verse 2, I should say. And this word here, strengthen, again, it's, it's an errorist tense where the other was a present tense. And an errorist tense in the language would be once for all. We're to, to strengthen. This is to be a statement that we make. We are to strengthen or literally establish what life is left. Even in Sardis, there was some hope. Look, they were dying, but they weren't dead yet. Have you ever seen a fire? And it's like all the flame is gone. And there's just some smoke coming up from the ashes. And you go out there and you stick a little bit of fuel, maybe some dry sticks on it, and you blow. And next thing you know, hey, it looked dead, but life has come. And the flames return. And next thing you know, everything's cool. And this is a very, it's a beautiful imagery for our spiritual life when we, when we fall back, when we become lethargic in our walk at, at the individual level as a local church, this could happen collectively, that we look for the Holy Spirit to be that wind. We love that, that, that picture of the Holy Spirit being that breeze comes in, touches our hearts, ignites those coals. We're not gone yet. Jesus said this to this church, and uh, very few churches are. Uh, but there's this opportunity for life to be restored, and that's the concept there, strengthen. The life of the church is not its popularity, its programs, its possessions, or its personality. The life of a church is in a person, and the person is Jesus Christ and the power of the Holy Spirit, okay? So you see some churches, and I, I, I just see wonderful churches, but you maybe hear some that don't are missing the mark. I, I don't know of any, but you maybe do. But the life of a church is not its popularity programs, possessions, or personality. It's in a person. Persons, Jesus and the Holy Spirit. And, uh, and that, we, 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 that can be our takeaway potentially today that we keep our eyes on Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit will fan those flames and he'll bring life to maybe where there's dormancy in our own lives, okay? Here's another word you can see. Remember, Therefore, what you've received and heard, obey it and repent. Remember, present tense, remember what you heard, okay? Uh, remember what you made, uh, made you turn uh, from your sin uh, initially. Remember the basics of the faith and the things that you practiced, okay? Uh, the it's, this is a continuous action. Don't, uh, that's what I love about the worship here on Sunday mornings, okay? I grew up in a church where we'd sing a couple hymns on Sunday, and then we had a Sunday night service where we put the hymnal away, and we'd sing a bunch of choruses that that we'd learned at camp meetings or summer camp, church camp, youth camp or whatever. And I love that too. But, and I love the hymns and I love the choruses. But what I love about everything we sing, whether it's a more historical hymn or more contemporary worship hymn or song, it focuses on Jesus Christ. Did you hear the lyrics this morning? That's why we, we really love to come and, and to, to just sing. If you listen to the words, we're singing about his greatness. We're singing about his love. We're singing about his rescue. We're singing about the cross. We're singing about freedom. We're singing about 
his resurrection. It touches our lives. We just love to sing about Jesus. We love to remember, and we're remembering when we come. And when we read these scriptures, for many of you, you've heard these scriptures before. Maybe you've heard a verse from this section that I'm, that I'm sharing this morning. And we love to remember. It's good. It's a part of a resuscita reset, re resuscitation, recitation. Uh, I'm not going to find that. I forgot it. Anyway, reciting and continuously reciting. Uh, recitation, is that it? No, if I need to be resuscitated, that's when I fall over because my back hurts up here. <laughs> Just leave me. I'll preach from my back. Okay, so, but anyway, the, 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 the continuous action of, of remembering all the goodness of God, all that he's done in our lives, that restores life to us. And we are set up that way in, in all of our ministries here. And we want our ministries to be about remembering the cross, remembering his, 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 his suffering today as we once a month bring that table out here and we're, we're reminded of what God's done and the power that it has in our lives, okay? So uh, remember, and then you can see there as well, I, I highlighted obey uh, what you've received and what you've heard and obey it. Uh, uh, again, it's an ongoing, it's an ongoing tense. It's not one thing you did in the past. It, it's always key and it's ongoing. It's continuous. Remembering what we know to be true, those things which we remember as being important. What are they in your life? What are they as you follow Jesus? As you fall more in love with Christ and, and his, his call on your life and, and the person of the Lord Jesus Christ and, and we serve him, what is it that causes you to obey? And then that you see there as well, repent. Uh, they needed to repent. Obviously, they, they'd strayed away. And that's, that's something that, uh, in, its, in its literal meaning here, it means you're changing direction. We've talked about that. What is repentance? You're going one way, and the Holy Spirit kind of speaks to your heart and your life, and maybe he does it through the Scripture or through a friend or through a sermon or through a book you're reading. You go, whoa, whoa, this thing needs correction in my life because I'm not the one large and in charge. Jesus Christ is. And I stop because I'm going this way, my way, which normally leads to, you know, it, 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 may, it may not be a major thing, but you're just going to end up distancing yourself from God's heart. And, and to repent means you turn around and you go the opposite direction. All right? So that, just our brokenness and our sinfulness. We identify something that's against God's heart and his plan for our lives. We're going one direction. And this repentance literally means I stop. And I turn around and I walk away from that. And we are empowered by the Spirit of God to do that. And it's a journey. You know, some days you may say, oh, that's sure, that's sure. And the Lord, that's, you stumble, you kind of stub your toe, you, 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 you fall down and you get hit. That was not the direction God's called me to. And you turn around and you walk away from it. You repent and, and you, uh, you seek God's forgiveness and his power to help you uh, to, to, to get back on the right track. Okay, so that's repentance. Now, the promise for those who choose to walk in life, uh, it's just two verses here. Look at this. Yet you have a few people in Sardis who have not soiled their clothes. So they've not, they've not died. They, they're still following the Lord and they're, they're, they're passionate in their faith. And, and they will walk with me dressed in white for they are worthy. He who overcomes will, like them, be dressed in white. Now, that's speaking to somebody else outside of that place. So maybe some people in Sardis who follows their lead, or maybe for us, uh, a couple thousand years later, uh, will never, I like this, uh, I will never blot out his name from the book of life, but will acknowledge his name before my Father and his angels. 
Well, that's a strong negative right there. Uh, walk with Christ. He will welcome their fellowship, their relationship. They'll be dressed in white. Again, the purity, moral purity, um, faithfulness, you could see with that dressed in white. And not ever under any circumstance having their na name removed from the book of life. That's the meaning here. That's the strongest negative available. Interest. Talk about security in Jesus. He will never blot us out. That's, that's cool. That's just kind of our target. You know, it's, you take, with this, take from this whatever you want, but it's just, it's good. The, the reason why we look for life to be fanned into our life individually and collectively is because there's a reward at the end where, where the Lord just one day will just smile at us and put his arm around us. I'm not sure it's going to happen this way, but he's just going to look into our eyes and say, good job. You've been a good servant. And you've loved me well. You know how much I've loved you. And you've responded to that love, and you've served me. And, and you know what? Your name is here. And we've got all of eternity to experience heaven and renewed earth and uh, heaven and, 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 and in a kingdom that's been consummated by my presence. So uh, good stuff. Good stuff. I think there's a lot we can be encouraged by this morning. I don't think we're... I don't, I don't see us as a church at Sardis, you know, but, you know, that might be some individual things where maybe you're just kind of dragging spiritually today. And this could just be a wake-up call for you, okay? I invite the, the worship team to come. We'll close. But uh, so let me ask you this. How, how are we doing as a church, you know? Uh, what's our collective pulse like if we took a pulse reading? It's hard to do that. But uh, are, are, we, are we the living dead, you know, the walking dead uh, like Sardis was? Uh, I can tell you this, here's a, here's a bit of a checklist that I think of, and I, I think we can apply this morning as we conclude, and it's this. A church that's alive, or a congregation that is alive, needs to celebrate change. You've heard it said, the, is it the seven last words of any organization or every church, as we've never done it that way before, okay? So in other words, we can't change, it's, you know, we're only gonna, and we've changed a lot around here, and we're looking forward to change, not, not changing what Christ has done and what we're supposed to preach, but how we reach, all right? And how we, how we reach out to those to share this amazing message of, 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 the, of, our, of our Lord. But uh, change, change is important. You know what? I, I think a church that's alive is noisy, all right? I love the noise this morning. I love when the, when the babies are here, and, and I just love the noise of, of what God's doing. I love the noise of our, of our music. And, uh, some churches, we may need to do this sometime. I think that it's pretty good levels, but some churches actually hand out earplugs at the door uh, because some of our ears are more sensitive. We may have to do that someday, but I love noise because there's life in this noise. And, I, and, and a church that's healthy has a faith, and they're, they're believing in Christ for all our sufficiency. And, and, and a church that's alive has people, even when a lot of them are cabins. Look, at there's a good group here today. And this can only grow as the summer uh, progresses, right? A church that's alive has dreams. Uh, and God is all about dreams. And we see that, that, that the Lord will give us a directive and dreams that are Christ-centered, where we, where we look for bigger mountains to conquer and to remove uh, ahead of us as we continue to journey together as a people. Um, a healthy church has dollars. Uh-oh, he's talking about dollars. Yes, I love to talk about dollars. You know what? When the Lord captures our heart, our, our white knuckles are released and, we're, and we give. And this is a church that gives joyously. Uh, 
Paul wrote to the Philippian church and he talked about God loves a cheerful giver and this was a church that cheerfully gave even though they're probably pretty impoverished. And, and what a beautiful, what a beautiful thing that, that there's opportunities for us all the time to sow into God's kingdom collectively as a, as a congregation. A, a church that's alive is an outreaching church. And I pray often, you can pray with me, that our, our scope of outreach increases. I'm meeting with one of our, our leaders this week about ways to create a, a greater uh, reach and outreach here as a community of believers. And I think we've just skimmed the surface. I'm thankful for Celebrate Recovery. I'm so grateful for that ministry, and I'm so grateful for what we have with uh, our, our Wednesday night for the children and Sunday mornings and the youth ministries on fire and all these things, but I just believe we've just touched the surface. I believe God wants us into a healthy church that will never die as a church that's caring for all those around us strategically and, uh, and obediently. And, uh, and I just say this, uh, a church that's alive loves and I have exclamation point, exclamation point, exclamation point. One another's. Some of you are saying, why didn't he put that on a written form? Well, you can come ask me about the one. Oh, just, just do a search in your Bible, your, your, your smartphone Bible app, and just look for one another's. And let's start to practice. Let's start to love. Study how Jesus loved. Study what he meant when he said loving our neighbor. Uh, you know, about uh, uh, enemy love, about going the extra mile. Just let's, let's, let's be a church that's just growing in a greater revelation of what the love of Christ means uh, for us, in us, and through us. Amen? Let's stand together. Let's pray. I know it's Communion Sunday, and oftentimes we don't schedule prayer teams, but uh, uh, elders, is it possible that we could just put something together. If you have a prayer need today, uh, uh, oftentimes communion takes a amount of time and we maybe pass, but there's, there are those who can pray. If there's others on the team that can help besides the elders, prayer is available uh, beneath the balcony there. Please take advantage of that today. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for this, this opportunity to be here today. Lord, I thank you for each life. Lord, thank you for friends and family visiting with us today. Lord, I pray your protection over those who aren't with us today that may be traveling, Lord, keep them safe. I pray, God, that whether it's uh, Ridgeway North on the lake today, that you would bless the families up there, that, Jesus, you'd be glorified in us. Lord, the church is not a building, it's a people. And during these seasons, in our summers, that the coals get spread out. We pray, God, that as people, as we travel, that the, 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 the fire of Christ would burn hot in us and not be uh, restricted to our public gatherings, but to our neighborhoods and our job places and the fireworks by the lake and with our friends in the Northwoods or wherever it is, God. Help us to be scattered uh, white hot and then restored as we come together for collective worship to celebrate your table, to celebrate your sacrifice, to celebrate one another. Jesus, we thank you that uh, we are not the Church of Sardis, but if there's any of those any hint of, of a lethargy in our house, Lord, would you, by the power of your spirit, would you blow it out and would you fan the flames here, Lord? And as we move into a new season, would you intensify our, our testimony, our reputation as a, as, as a group of Christ followers, as a congregation, as an ecclesia, as a called out church, Lord, would you intensify us for your glory uh, so that we can be a blessing and that we could reveal uh, Jesus, your amazing person. We ask this, Lord, in your name. Amen. Let's worship the Lord. Thanks for
for listening to our podcast. For more information about our church, check out our website at www.ridway.church.